Well, welcome to all you listeners out there in Radio Land. Um, this here is uh, the Pastors of the Roundtable podcast here at MMBC. This is the Discipleship Podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. It's brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Together we encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Around the table, we got Tim, Michael Scott Slater, Dave Arnold, and I'm Spencer Snow. Thank you for joining us um, today. So we've just wrapped up our series on um, denominations and uh, denominationalism and Christian traditions. And uh, kind of as we're kind of in that in-between space of planning for the next great thing, the next groundbreaking series. <laughs> um, that we're going to steal that from we're, somebody. That we're going to do. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, before we do that, we want to do a couple of, uh, just episodes that are just going to kind of explore, um, some questions that I have received from people, um, and we can talk about them. Uh, just people in our church have asked these questions and just kind of interested in learning more. And I think it would be beneficial for, uh, people who listen to the podcast, the thousands of people, <laughs> the international audience. I noticed we have, we had like, uh, we have, we have some, some international listeners. If you look at the map. Yeah. Are those nice. bots? Probably. I don't know. They're Russian bots. Those are the oh, things that can't pass the yeah. test. Are you a robot? Are you a robot? <laughs> they can't well, pass that. We had like one in Ireland. Nice. Yeah. 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 I think Turkey. 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 I think had one. Yeah. Yeah. Not ham. That's Turkey. Good. You'd like Turkey. Yeah. Um, uh, um, so yeah, but, I mean, people could share with us what they might want to hear. I would love to I hear mean, that. if people want, you know, certain topics or whatever, we'd be more um, happy, one of the things happy to discuss. One of the things I've brought up and I don't know if people care is I've thought brought about microwave cooking as a, something we could do every once in a while. I want to so, do air fryer cooking, air fryer cooking or microwave cooking. It, it needs to fit within a podcast time though. You know what I mean? So uh, well then, yeah. Air fryer's quick though. I mean, yeah. you can cook yeah. pork tenderloin in like twenty minutes. Okay. Well, we can try that sometime. Um, so yeah, but whatever you if you if anybody out there knows what they would like to hear about or interested in learning about or have questions about, um, yeah, we we would love to. I mean, we that. could throw out maybe so they can hear some stuff we've been thinking about. Right. Uh, we've been thinking about like a how to study the Bible or how to. I don't know if it'd be how to study the Bible, mm-hmm. but how to read the Bible well. And then if you're interested in studying it more, right. like resources for that, what that might look like. So right. doing a series on that. Right. We've talked about um, Apostles' Creed. We've talked about Baptist faith and message, going through the Baptist faith and message together. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some other things we've d- discussed? Uh, we talked about things that are like really tertiary topics, like the Nephilim. We, we could go yeah, through that. We could do that. Like Nephilim. Nephilim. Okay. Nephilim. Yeah, the plural. It right. We've the also plural. talked about maybe throwing in like current events. Yeah. We could talk about some stuff, how that relates to scripture or whatever sure. it might be. Uh, so there's all kinds of options, but we do this podcast to hopefully benefit our church uh, people. Yes. And their discipleship and their growth. And so sure, I wouldn't mind hearing from them yeah. of what they might be interested in right right so that's good that's good we want to hear from people Mm -hmm. okay today i want to talk about the broad topic of because this is one of the questions that i received and i'm going to rephrase it um 
but it, one of the questions that I, I had, I've heard and, and, and gotten from someone in the church is basically this question of, if I study the Old Testament, if I read the Old Testament, do I read the Old, the Old Testament in light of the New Testament? And similarly, if I read the New Testament, do I read it in light of the Old Testament? Like there, there's just basically kind of, uh, that's kind of roughly was the question. And, and really, this is part of the bigger issue of how does the whole Bible fit together? And if I'm reading the Old Testament scriptures, what application... Um, uh, relationship do I have to these Old Testament books? How does it impact my life? How do I read the whole Bible? And and so there's there's practical ramifications uh, for people as well as they are uh, thinking about how do I how do I read the Old Testament in relationship to the New, um, and what does that look like? So I guess the first question I want to ask though is we're that's kind of the rough topic that we're going to talk about, but why does it matter? I want to ask the so what question. Is this a question worth asking? If so, why? Um, why does it matter for someone in Christ to correctly read uh, and understand the relationship between the Old and the New Testaments? And also, why does it matter for your local church to have a correct understanding of this? Because the Bible is what God, God has given us to know him. That's what we have. Um, he's given us his his word, and so we need to know how to handle it the right way. Um, and so we have the Old Testament, we have the New Testament, and we need to know how to interpret both of those well because it was written a long time ago over a long span of time, a lot of authors. Um, but the Bible teaches that it, it is one book together, and it all correlates together. And I'm, I think we would all agree. We say it, and it's pointing to Christ. So how do you... How do you then? How do you then read it? We can't deny the fact that it's difficult to understand. I mean, how many books have been written on the Bible? A lot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we when we do a sermon, I think you guys are the same way as me. There's a lot of books we have along with us as we're trying to interpret Scripture well, and we use uh, people who have passed a long time ago, people maybe who are current, to try to interpret what we're reading well and in in line with what God intended for it to be. So I think it's very important for us because this word is our standard. It is our truth. It's the only, it's what we have to hold on to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, in the last 50 years, maybe longer, there's been this shift, especially in in evangelicalism in in America, where it's like you hear people say, we're a New Testament church. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and that's some of the problem with dispensationalism is that there's this idea of like, well, we're New Testament, you know, and in other words, you know, the Old Testament, it's kind of like what you were saying yesterday in your your message, you know, at at your class. It's like, you know, the law is almost like, yeah, just throw out the law. Mm. We don't need the law. I mean, we're we're under grace, but there's been an abuse Mm -hmm. of that. And I think helping Christians understand, helping believers understand that the whole counsel of God is including the law. Right. And the prophets and the wisdom books and the New Testament. I mean, what, what Bible did Paul have? You know what I mean? What Bible, sure. what, what did Jesus use? He, he quoted Deuteronomy, you know, mm-hmm. most out of all the Old Testament books. He quoted Deuteronomy first, or I should say yeah, primarily. that's good. And so I think helping Christians understand the whole counsel of God. So like 
going through preaching sermons or series on New Testament and Old Testament books. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of churches are lopsided. They're like, yeah. let's just be New Testament, you know, uh, New Covenant mm-hmm. type of people. And right. It's mm-hmm. done some damage. One of the things that you, you said, and it makes me think about Scott's sermon, because, Scott, your sermon uh, about children and parents, Paul quotes an Old Testament commandment mm-hmm in order to argue for how New Testament Christians should live. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate in any of your studies? I mean, did anybody talk about that issue, I guess, the that Paul's basic perception or understanding of he's using the Old Testament to apply a, a, a principle in the New Testament? Uh, to be completely honest, I didn't really dive into that specific subject, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, at least for Paul, he didn't seem to think that that commandment no longer applied. Yeah. Right? That that commandment wasn't for God's people, Israel, but it was for those who are of faith, right? right? Those who have faith in Christ and those who are walking obediently with the Lord. And he seems to, he also mm. argues specifically that the promise, while, while there was a unique circumstance yeah. for Israel in the Old Testament, at its core, there still is a, a promise in our circumstance yeah. for, for children as well. So I think that's a very just, you read that right away and you see, Paul has no problem quoting the Old Testament and saying that this is authoritative for New Testament believers Yeah, um, because it is. Yeah. I was going to answer your question and just say the way we understand and the way it works out with the Old Testament and the New Testament is the, I mean, the question of is the Old Testament Christian scripture mm-hmm. and do we see it as Christian scripture? And I mean, our answer is yes, we do because they are interdependent. In order to correctly understand the Old Testament, we need the New Testament. But in the same way, if we are going to correctly understand the New Testament, we have to see that the New Testament was written in a certain historical context that you receive, and it was written with that kind of context in mind, Hmm. right? Paul was a Jew. He had certain ideas that he was communicating that you kind of needed to understand what was going on in the Old Testament and why it was happening, but th- that's difficult to see them working together in balance because, yeah, on the face of it, they do seem to be very different in their emphasis. People even today say that it seems like there's a different God mm. at times. Yeah. Um, on the face of it, mm-hmm. we would say that's not true. Right. And under a closer examination of what's going on, that's obvious. But on the face of it, you know, God, it, it's a lot of things in the New Testament seem really dark. It seems more physically focused, not spiritually focused. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's our task as we try to teach mm-hmm. it to show how how is the Bible from Genesis to Revelation really about one story of redemption mm-hmm. that is happening. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of hard yeah. to do that. One of the things the Old Testament does, it does a lot. One big one, I think, where we could give a, a good example. Um, you have it wrote down here. But the Old Testament shows the problem with man Mm -hmm. because if you just start in like Matthew and you just read the gospels I mean I think a question could be asked like why why is this having to happen why Mm -hmm. did Jesus have to come Mm -hmm. what what's what's the issue here you know um and you you have to go to the old testament for that and you got to go all the way to the beginning of it chapter three yeah to see this is the problem and then as you read the Old Testament, you see the whole dig deeper and deeper and deeper, and you see God deal with the problem when you get to the law, mm-hmm. right? This has to be done because of the problem. 
now you have a sacrificial system and you have this and you have this in place, but none of this is meeting the standard, right? And then that's pointing to Christ. So um, it's just very important to understand those things to really grasp uh, Christ and what's happening, Mm -hmm. what's happening there. And so when you get rid of that, you lose, when you get rid of the Old Testament, you lose all of that. Right, right. Right? And so um, I think it builds a much firmer foundation for us as Christians when we have a good grasp of the Old Testament and all those truths. Mm -hmm. Um, When it comes to our faith to understand, you know, what God is still dealing with in our hearts today. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing all them years ago. Definitely. Of sin. Yeah. I think um, one of the things Scott was bringing up too is the fact that there's two different gods. Some people have gods. Mm-hmm. That was actually, uh, unsurprisingly, Christians have uh, the Christian church has had a controversy like that from really from almost the get go. There was an early heretic named Marcion who taught that there was a different God in the Old Testament than the God of the New, and he actually started even getting rid of certain books in the New Testament that he said were not really Christian scripture. So his canon basically included his list of books that Christians should use, I think it was basically the Gospel of Luke, maybe even edited a little bit there, and like Paul's writings. So getting rid of the, the Jewish element altogether, um, and arguing that that God back there was a God of hate, this is a God of love. And so what we're dealing with today is actually a very long-standing misunderstanding and mischaracterization of um, the unity uh, of Scripture. And as Christians, as people who are in Christ, and as the the early uh, apostles and the early church taught, we've got a couple, we've got some I'm going to call them presuppositions. So we're going to say these are the things that we we bring to the table when we're coming to the Bible. The first thing is that we believe the same God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. There's only one triune God. Um, Old Testament, the creator, is the redeemer in the Old and the New Testament. The second thing is that we believe all of mankind has had the same problem, which is Genesis 3, sin and death, which is eternal death and physical death in this world, separation from God. And we believe that is made, uh, the mankind in the Old Testament and the New Testament had the same problem, sin. We also believe that there is only one mediator in the whole Bible who can save mankind from their sins. That's Jesus Christ. We're pulling that from particularly, uh, is it 1 Timothy, where he says there's only one mediator between mm-hmm. uh, God and man. We believe that's true. Uh, There was only one ultimate mediator to save God's people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. The second, the fourth thing is that we also believe that there has only been one way of receiving this salvation, which is faith in Christ. Um, So everyone has the same God. We have the same, we're, we're, we're all made in the same image. We all have the same problem. We all have the same Savior, and we all receive it the same way. The Old Testament saints weren't saved by doing good works and were saved by faith. They were saved by faith in Christ, albeit, as we're going to talk about, um, things were much murkier for them back then than we are now in the full light. But what they were hoping in, the object of their faith, was Jesus Christ as we know, we know it. But as we're going to see, uh, looking from what they were looking at, it wasn't as clear, but they were looking to him um, as well. So those are some of the things that we bring to um, this. So first of all, let's ask the question, 
is the Old Testament, whenever you read the Old Testament, as in your personal devotions or whenever you're preparing a sermon, do you read the Old Testament? Um, I guess, well, let's first of all, let's ask this. Is it helpful to read the Old Testament within its original context? Is that helpful? Yeah. Yes. Okay. What do we mean by the original context? Could you kind of, or what do we mean by that? I mean, you, you guys can add to this, but I think you've got to understand it was written to a certain people. Okay. Right. And so then you need to study those people. Like what, where were they? Uh, what were they going through? You need to know, you know, answer those stories or those, that information and to grab that, you know, what, what is the author um, dealing with, with them in particular? Who is the author? Yeah. Yeah, Who is the the human author? Right. Who's the human author? So you ask those questions and you try, you try your best to, to study that, you know, that's where archaeology comes in all that kind of stuff comes in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't do any of that, but you study those people and try to read and get a good grasp of what, what was going on, you know, um, during, so like with Moses and stuff, where Mm -hmm. were they and Mm -hmm. what was happening in their story and where Mm -hmm. were they maybe before and how'd they get to where they are now? And now this is being dealt with. Sure. And so you kind of ask the question, how would they have heard this? Mm. And how would this have impacted them as they're listening to it? And oftentimes a good study Bible mm-hmm. can give you some of those very basic facts yeah. like we're mm-hmm. talking about. Right. Right? I was going to bring that up. I mean, because this is the context is something like at our recent Disciple Now retreat with the youth that we talked about. And there's basically two types of context. There's literary context mm-hmm. and historical context. Mm-hmm. And both of those come into play in a big way when you're trying to interpret the Old Testament because a lot of the Old Testament is prophecy Mm. a lot of it is poetry and you interpret those differently than you do a letter from paul right so literary context but also historical context of who was abraham what was his life like what was the world like at that time when israel was being brought out of egypt what was it like you know um there's there's all kinds of historical things of like how how did the people at that time who existed understand the nature of reality, mm-hmm. right? And um, and that's where, like, the things that you brought up, Tim, make a lot of sense. But yeah. it's basically those two things. You've got to understand the literary context and the historical context if you're going to study something that was written thousands of years ago right. as the author intended it to be understood. Right. And you brought that out well in your sermon, you know, in the beginning when you were saying, like, Paul wrote this letter, you know, from Rome to the churches in Ephesus and it was circulated and, and children were present, you know, when, when the, you know, when, mm. when, when they were reading the letter and that was really good. And it's like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. people love to quote that for, I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, mm. but that was written in a certain context when they were in right. Babylon and God had just told them you're going to be here for 70 years. Right. So plant gardens and marry and marry mm. off your children because it's going to be a while, but people like to take that and say, God has a plan, for, which is true. God has a plan for our lives, right. but they take it out of context instead of seeing the historical, mm-hmm. literal idea there. One of the things I, I read, um, we were doing a, a Bible study on Saturdays through the Psalms, and um, one of the things he said about a specific psalm is that if the psalms had a scratch and sniff, you could scratch the psalm, you would you would smell the, his point was you could smell the blood and the sweat, the background to it. Mm. And that's kind of what we're doing. We're trying to scratch mm. these things and trying to see, smell and see mm. and understand the best that we can what is going on here. Because if not, verses like what you just quoted – can be taken out of context mm-hmm. and they they're taken out of their 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 um very earthly context mm-hmm. 
And but whenever you put them back in their original context, not only of the book, but of the situation it was given in, well, then those verses have so much more. They have a much richer uh, meaning um, and a truer meaning. Um, So I think that that's that's why we want to go back and and really grasp um, the original context. So we study the original context and what the original author, the human author and the divine author meant um, to convey to the original people. The, we would call that the audience or the recipients, the people that he was originally trying to talk to. Um, how does that help anchor, I guess it, I guess I use the word anchor, that kind of is like the first starting place for interpreting anything, right, before we move to the, the rest of the Bible, right? Yeah, I mean, I think from there you wanna, you'll find some similarities probably between the audience then and the audience today, mm. which would be you or your teaching or whatever and so you'll you'll connect them together in some way so like example that comes to my head this isn't from the old testament so i i'm sorry if i'm jumping ahead but like like you had referenced god's sermon but we've been in ephesians and so Mm -hmm. you can talk about some similarities to the city of ephesus to maybe what we go through today Mm -hmm. right and so you study that. What's going on there? Oh, and they have they have this huge temple there, and religion is very big there. And right, right. You say in this thing, kind of similar to today, right? Religion right. is important to a lot of people, and we hope. And so you're you're kind of connecting the two for people mm-hmm. uh, to see. But then you're also just going to see just some flat out differences, yeah, as well that then become important. And I think something too. Um, a lot of people don't think about this because I think I think a good teacher and preacher won't reference this stuff a ton in their lessons and in their sermons, but a good one will do this work. And it might come out some when you're talking, uh, but from what I've found, I was listening to a sermon this week from a guy we, we would all know. He's passed away now, but I was like, come on, get on with it. I felt like he was mm-hmm. starting to talk about architecture of things and stuff and i'm like how is this relevant to the audience that you're talking to i feel like you're just trying to show how smart you are and how much you've talked but it was obvious he'd done his study Mm. and he was i'm guessing trying to bridge from there to here uh but to me it was just going like a little too far Mm. with it um but it is still important right like we've been talking about but i think you just start making these connections between the audience then the audience today Mm -hmm. And start to see how it's still relevant. Yeah. Right? And that's helpful because one of the basic, if we follow these presuppositions that we followed earlier, um, we we don't want to deny the differences in circumstances or culture mm-hmm. between us and the original hearers. Because if there's no differences, then it's hard for us to learn. And to be honest, if we're not recognizing the differences... On the other hand, there is a substantial unity of all people everywhere. We've all got the same problem. We deal with the same basic problems. It may manifest itself in unique ways in different circumstances or cultures, but that that underlying reality that people at their core are basically still people um, helps us identify and say, but this does have applicability to us today, Mm. right? Yeah. So like an example maybe would be in the Old Testament. I'm thinking of like uh, the Israelites are in the desert. All of a sudden they're getting bit by snakes. Right. Right. And they're all sick. People are dying. There needs to be a solution. God gives them a solution with uh, the bronze serpent serpent Serpent, that's raised in the desert. And he tells them if you just look 
just look at it. You'll be healed, right? We hear we hear that story. So how would you guys then do what we're saying? The similarities, the differences? Could you guys do that just real quick? Well, that one's easy because it's actually referenced yeah. in the New Testament right. okay. as relating to Christ. That's one of the really easy ones. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not even saying like a putting Christ to it. I'm just saying like let's think of the similarities. Well, the similarities are we all know what it's like to be sick. We sure. all probably know what it's like to have someone pass away. We all We all might know what it's like to say, well, I don't have an answer. Yeah. Where's the hope? Right. Mm-hmm. right. So you can connect, you can start connecting that. Yeah. But we also probably, none of us have probably been wandering in the desert for a long time. Unless we're in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but in our context. No, yeah, yeah. In our yeah. context. No, and also, one of the things, too, is is remembering, why are they getting bit by snakes? Exactly. Right? Because they've yep. disobeyed God. Yes. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. They keep complaining mm-hmm. and grumbling and well, I kind of grumble a lot. Yes, I realize exactly. that's you what know? I mean. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, but These there's a connection. But we also, you're right. We yeah. don't. Yeah. One thing I was going to say is that I think when we don't have a good understanding of the connection between the old and the new, and you were asking this, is our tendency then I think is to read the Old Testament and over spiritualize it, and try to find significant spiritual meaning in some kind of <laughs> yeah. allegorical sense, Allegory, yeah. or to put ourselves yeah. in the, like David and Goliath. You know, that's a classic one that people read incorrectly all the time. Mm-hmm. And we think that to get meaning out of that, I have to over-spiritualize some aspect of it or think, well, those stones represented this, this, and this. When mm-hmm. actually, that story is just God delivering his people from their problem, right? The same way he does that in the New Testament, right? And so our our tendency, I think, is to really over-spiritualize mm-hmm. the text in ways that, in the end, are not helpful. Yeah, because then we miss the real spiritual nuggets, yes. truth yeah. that is yeah. actually the, blatantly right there. And that's the thing. There is... Uh, a huge amount of spiritual significance in what is happening yeah. in all those stories. But when you hyper-spiritualize, right. you over-spiritualize right. it, try to find meaning right. in every little word and phrase and number, no. you lose the real right. spiritual significance of it. Why did David choose, like, five stones? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> These five are standing for the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that, that kind of stuff, right, where you get... Um, you get into trouble, um, and it and it really is is confusing. I think these things also people. It's good for people to know that um, uh, people who are teaching the Bible or who are preaching or leading Bible studies are are definitely trying to think about these things. But I would encourage people who are just reading the Bible, as we're doing the reading through the New Testament thing, or if you're reading through the Old Testament, maybe find an old like a study Bible or um, a Bible dictionary. A Bible dictionary is usually helpful. The, the internet. I mean, you have to be careful, but I mean, there's stuff out there as well that's going to be helpful. We're um, about to have a library soon that, that will have a lot of these resources. That's got a, go. We have a there nice set of dictionaries actually <laughs> uh, with that. But yeah, just dive in and explore those things and try to just, you won't master all the facts, right? None of us are going to have a PhD in ancient Near Eastern history, but, but also just knowing some of the context is going to really help you um, understand some of the original context. However, we also want to say, as New Testament Christians, it's not wrong for us to see how the story finds its conclusion. And um, even as we're reading the Old Testament, I want to steal from a book called Seeing Christ in All of Scripture. And it's a, a thing with multiple essays from di- or essays from different guys. Um, one is a guy named Ian Duguid. He uh, teaches at Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia. And he gives four principles for interpreting the Old Testament as we look at the Old Testament scriptures and we in the New, as New Testament Christians are able to 
go back and um and see what the old testament was is is was all about to the original hearers as well but also to see where it, it leads to and finds its fulfillment so the first thing he says is the center of the old testament is christ so the center is christ so whenever we go to the old testament scriptures we're not finding a different religion we are finding the person and work of Jesus Christ, albeit, as he's going to describe here later on, it is less clear. It's under types, what we call types and shadows. It's in a shadowy way. Um, one of the verses he, he pulls there is obvious is to, to demonstrate this, is even Jesus himself had this perspective of the Old Testament. And certainly if anybody knew what the Old Testament meant, it was Jesus. And Jesus says this. He said in Luke 24, verses 25 through 27, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. One more time, Luke 24, later on, he says, then he said to them, this is Jesus again, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Now, what's fascinating about that verse is Jesus says it is written that the Christ would suffer and that the gospel would go forth. So Jesus is saying this was all written in the text. And what also is, is interesting is it's true the disciples at first couldn't understand this, but it wasn't because the text didn't say it. It's because he had to open their minds to grasp what had actually been said. As the Holy Spirit, similarly today, has to illuminate our minds to understand what the text is saying um, as well. Um, those are just a couple of verses. Um, an another verse, John 5 from Jesus again, for if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. So Jesus is saying, he wrote just about me, if, but if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Which an important part of understanding that verse is knowing what did Moses write? Right. The first five books. The first five. Right. right. The Torah there. That that was their, you know, that's what they held to. What they held exactly. To. Jesus saying, so we're not even talking about like later writings right. in the Old Testament. We're talking about the foundation of the Old Testament. Jesus is saying Correct. what he wrote was about me. Right. So Jesus here is saying, all of these guys were writing about me. One other one that is interesting is, uh, there's actually a couple here about Paul's life. And Paul himself says, um, I think it's, this is from, I think, Acts 17. Yeah. It says, and Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. So Paul apparently is going in and saying, Listen, let's open up our Old Testament Bibles. See, this had to happen, and this happened a few years ago in Jerusalem. He came, he died, he is the Christ. So the Christ had to do these things. So Paul is arguing from the Old Testament scriptures to say, this is ex they're talking about Jesus. And then one last one as well, Acts 26, this is Paul again. He says, I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. 
that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles, Acts 26, 22 through 23. So anyway, yeah, I know yeah, that's a lot even, of Bible, but... Yeah, yeah, but I mean, even Jesus, right? But we have the story of Jesus in the synagogue, and the reading for the day is in Isaiah. Right, 61. And then Jesus teaches, right? Yeah. And he's like, this is... This has been fulfilled. This right. has been fulfilled. Right now. Yeah. This is me. Done. Yeah. You're looking Done. at it. Yeah. And everyone's like, what? What? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it, yeah. it shows right. the point that we're making. Yes. And, and you know, it's interesting, like the higher criticism <clears throat> movement that came out of Germany and the liberal theology, they, they basically say, you know, Moses didn't write the Pentateuch because, you know, that was in a time where there wasn't, mm. you know, literary styles and he, there was no way he could have done that. And yet Jesus himself quotes Moses. Right. You mm-hmm. know, and so th- that, that whole argument is, is turned on its head because they have no, they have no, no grounds to stand on at that point, you know. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things that's fascinating, too, is in Jesus, in the person of Jesus, we have both the divine author and a human recipient mm-hmm. of the scriptures. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. in one person, um, as the God-man. So he's, he's re- reading the scriptures as, the God, as in his human nature, learning from the Bible, and quotes the Bible, and yet in his divine nature, he's the one who gave that Bible, mm-hmm. and it's all found in the one person. And and Jesus is saying this. Paul is saying this. Um, and so, whenever we go to the Old Testament scriptures, I think it's safe to say that that um, we believe the Old Testament itself is teaching Jesus. The Old Testament itself is proclaiming to us this Jesus of Nazareth. Now, as we're going to see. Um, we got some caveats that come along with that, um, but we'll, we'll talk about that. The Old Testament, the second principle he says is the Old Testament had a message for its original hearers, not just for us. Um, and so he, I think he uh, pulls the verse, uh, Hebrews one, he mentions long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. So while there is a continuity of God speaking, he spoke in one way to the fathers. He spoke through the son to us. So there's a unique original meaning to the original hearers that in their circumstance, we, we live in a different circumstance than them. The substance is still the same, but the circumstance in which they received it, like so for instance, the, the, what a good example right, would be the, the raising of the serpent up on the pole we shouldn't be going around and making bronze serpents Mm -hmm. and raising them up on poles. Like we're not commanded Mm -hmm. to do that. Um, um, We don't have snakes in Michigan. We do have a a rattlesnake. We do, but it's not really a thing. It's like an endangered species. Yeah, it's not something we worry about. Oh, okay. Well, we we worry about those in Missouri. Absolutely. Copperheads. Yeah. yeah. Water rockins. Yeah, geez. Yeah. Um, So anyway, I think that's a helpful caveat. Again, we're not denying the original context. Thirdly, and this is the big one, I think, that is that whenever we're saying this, uh, the next two are actually the really big ones, I think. The Old Testament writers, this is the third principle he gives. The Old Testament writers did not fully understand everything about which they wrote. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And he gives the example that Daniel and Zechariah had trouble understanding the visions that they were given um, at the time. So there was, I think, the Ten Commandments, right? That was really clear. Their redemption from Egypt, really clear. But then they saw some, like Isaiah 53. Mm-hmm. They could, Isaiah himself, I'm sure, could 
grasp something of that, but there was there was also probably a lot of mystery to where he was like, I wonder how all of this is going to work out. Mm. Um, I mean, and now, of course, we are benefited by the fact that he has come and we see how it all works out. But um, And we have the same struggle today with, like, Revelation, right, where we've got a bunch of different schools of interpretation, but we all know basically he is going to come back one day and he is going to raise the dead and, you know, judgment and eternal states of heaven and hell. But there's a lot of details about how all that's going to come in between now and then that, that Christians differ because it's, it's not as clear as some of those other basic facts. So one of the things he says in the book that I wanted to kind of just read, because I thought it was really helpful. Um, <clears throat> if I can, get to it. Oh yeah. He says here underneath this, this section, this is a a paragraph that he writes. He says, one way to think about this is to imagine attending a prophecy conference in the year 10 BC. Now we may have prophecy conferences today, but we, we usually don't attend them. By then the participants would have had the entire old Testament as well as several centuries of reflection on it during the intertestamental period. Yet if someone had presented a paper anticipating the crucifixion of the Messiah on the basis of Psalm 22, or his resurrection on the basis of Psalm 16, or even the virgin birth on the basis of Isaiah 7, some vigorous debate might have ensued. It was not obvious ahead of time that these prophecies should be interpreted in that way. However, with the benefit of hindsight, the New Testament authors rightly identified these texts as finding their anticipated fulfillment in Christ's life, death, and resurrection. It is not that the New Testament writers were creatively assigning new and alien meanings to these old texts. Rather, the force of Jesus' statement that it was necessary that the Christ should suffer these things, Luke twenty four twenty six, suggests that a proper reading of the Old Testament expectation of the Messiah necessarily compelled them to recognize Jesus Christ as its true fulfillment. This is why Paul could argue from the Old Testament so convincingly in the context of Jewish evangelism. So that balances the fact that they didn't understand everything. On the other hand, uh, and, and like we could see, but whenever, whenever in the light of the person of Jesus, you're like, oh, yeah, that was always there all along. Yeah. Right? And I think, too, it's, it goes back to you, you already read Luke 24, 25 through 27, and it says that in beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning right. himself. It's like the apostles... It, like you said, hindsight, it wasn't really just, it was hindsight, but it was hindsight that was informed by Jesus himself. Right, right. right. And so that's why it says in Acts that the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Right. Part of that was them sharing with the the church what Jesus had told them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, yeah, it was, uh, Jesus had, like, like you said, opened their minds to this mm-hmm. and specifically taught them. Right. From the scriptures. Yeah. 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 I think that's a, that's a helpful way to think about the old Testament, but, and, um, and paired along with that though, he says is that while they didn't fully understand everything, they did understand something, uh, of what they wrote. And so for instance, Abraham, if you want to, it's, it's fascinating, Paul for Paul, if you were to say, what is a great example of Christian faith? He would say, Abraham. And you're like, well, hang on. He was in the old Testament, but for Paul, um, Abraham is a great example of what it looks like to believe the gospel. He even says in Galatians 3.8 that God preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand about the justification of the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uses him as a, as a premier example. 
of uh, of a faith in Christ, and um, and so <clears throat> even even in Isaiah and other portions of Scripture, which would have been more um, confusing, um, I think they would have pulled something of it. And and also one thing, one of the things that he uh, writes as well here again, this is do good. He says, moreover, the content of these visions that the Old Testament saints correctly grasped is nothing less than the gospel itself, albeit in in types and shadows. He continues later on and says, the gospel of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow was clear to Old Testament readers from the earliest days, even if only in outline and sometimes obscure form. This is crucial to affirm, since the Old Testament saints were saved by faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, just as we are, and not by some other method of salvation. In order to maintain that notion, it is necessary to affirm, as Paul does, that the gospel message was genuinely visible to the eyes of faith in the Old Testament long before its revelation and fullness in the coming of Christ. This was a very important point when I was studying for a sermon on the attributes of God and on God being gracious, that God didn't all of a sudden come up with grace in the New Testament. Right. That it's always been, God has always been a gracious God. And in fact, the scripture is very clear that people in the Old Testament were saved by grace through faith, just like in the New Testament, saved by grace through faith. And that we can't separate the two and we need not separate the two because then you almost get to the two God thing. Yeah. Like a different God in the Old Mm -hmm. Testament. No, it's the same God who's had the same plan all along and it's by grace through faith, by grace through faith, them looking forward, us looking back, knowing that Christ came. Um, and that was a really important point in all the authors that I was reading on that. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're bringing that out saying this is important to yeah. know because, you, because the heresies that would come right. if you don't hold to right. that. Mm-hmm. It, uh, an analogy, a metaphor that I think is helpful is actually from a guy named uh, Harrison Perkins who has an article on the table talk called why should Christians mm-hmm. read the old Testament? But the metaphor he uses here is that of a good mystery story. And I'll yeah, just read yeah, a, yeah. He says here a, a couple sentences. He says, good mystery stories maintain suspense until the big reveal on a second reading. However, all the clues needed to deduce the big reveal should be obvious. And that's kind of what, Paul was doing uh, under the inspiration of, of the Holy Spirit now being a converted man. He was looking back at the Old Testament, and it came to life. He's like, oh, my goodness, all the clues all along were, show, were showing us Jesus. They were really all pointing and showing, and, and that was him there. That was him working in the Old Testament um, all along. And I think that's a helpful way to read the Old Testament is it would have been, at the time, they would have been trying to piece together the clues um, and they were doing the best they could, and they got some. They did understand some of the clues, but they didn't understand the fullness of the the when when the big reveal happened at the cross of Calvary and the mm-hmm. resurrection, like we do. Yeah. So, it's yeah. Interesting to think, you know, and I, of course we don't know exactly. I and mean, some scholars have, you know, they talk about this. But what did, what did Paul do when he went to Arabia for three years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. he probably took the scrolls. Mm. And he probably, you know, kind of like Moses in the wilderness, you know, it was this kind of this idea of like, of kind of almost relearning or unlearning everything that he had mm-hmm. learned as a Pharisee mm-hmm. and as a Jew mm-hmm. and starting to see it with a new lens. It's like, wow, how did I miss this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So interesting to think about. And that. that happens to people as well, I think, whenever they've grown up in church mm-hmm. and then maybe they go away from the faith, but then they, the Lord actually draws them in and all of a sudden the Bible comes alive. Mm. Uh, and well, Paul seems to be a very special case too. I don't think we should push aside that because he's always fighting for his apostleship. 
you know, mm-hmm. and because they're like, you didn't follow Christ. I mean, you weren't with him and going. Right. You were when he died. You were trying to kill them all, and he would say, "Well, I, I am an apostle because I had been taught by the Lord, mm-hmm. by the Lord Jesus right. Christ Himself. He's I revealed these things. I saw Him, and He's revealed these things to me. And so there's this special insight that Paul seems to have been given straight from God. Because yeah. um, like even in you know, you guys can help me with this, but like in Corinthians, when Paul writes about the Lord's Supper. Where he wasn't there, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they say that's the first writing, probably right. of that in Corinthians. That's before the Gospels. Yeah. Well, how does he have this? How does he know this? Well, it mm-hmm. seems like the Lord revealed this to him mm-hmm. that he had, it. and it's exactly then what we see in the Gospel, mm-hmm. right, written out. And it, so, yeah. go ahead. I was. Saying, I mean, and he had he had fellowship with the apostles mm-hmm. before sure. that too, right? Mm-hmm. So he's yeah. yeah. It might not have been written down mm-hmm. at that point, but it had been taught, mm-hmm. and he had received that. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted sure. to. I mean, I I get I get leery sometimes of people. Like they think they're the new Paul and they're going to oh, get yeah. special insight. And it's like, no, he's yeah, an yeah. extraordinary right. case. Mm-hmm. He was one of the apostles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And exactly. that's a different thing than you and I. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, and that's what we were talking about earlier, right? We have the new Testament is definitely something new. It it definitely brings something to the table that was not had before. And it's, it's where all of that teaching is written down now for our instruction to use, to interpret the old. So where, we can now see the full picture. There was definitely an aha moment uh, where, yeah, all these things that didn't make sense, right? They had a, a shadow and a, a, of an, an understanding of what was going to happen, but not not the details, mm-hmm. you know, of what was going to happen. And the New Testament brings that clarity to where now, yeah, when I don't know if we've specifically said this or not, but yeah, now when we look at the Old Testament. We do read it with the New Testament in mind, with the destination mm-hmm. in mind, uh, to help us interpret it and yeah, understand definitely. it. And the Old Testament is so important for us today to understand the New Testament and all that Christ has done. And, um, you know, when we think about salvation and, again, why that had to work out the way it had to work out and why did Jesus have to die, all this, right. that's answered in the Old Testament, right? We have to yeah. go to the Old Testament to answer these questions. And I know for me, a big thing was like, studying the holy of holies and how like in hebrews how christ had entered the holy of holies and how he went in there as a priest but then you need to know well why did the priest go in there you got to study all that and then he went in there with his own blood well what did the priest go in with well he went in the blood of this Mm -hmm. and this is what it did but christ this and then you study about the ark that's in the holy of holies and what it contains what contains the law and how the blood would be over it and how the blood of that lamb god would see that Right, and that would cover the law for Israel. Well, Christ is the Lamb. You you start to understand, but you you can't know that just from reading the New Testament. You have to have a good grasp of the Old Testament, and I don't want to say it brings it to life more, even though I guess that's kind of where I'm going. But for me, it's it. You were talking about an anchor, yeah. And in those struggles and those doubts, when you fully grasp, I think, all the way from the old to new and how God has worked and you know the time span and all the authors and how God has organized all of this so perfectly, you talk about the anchor being really firm for, for me in my life personally of not struggling with doubt as much anymore. Where before, struggling with a lot of doubt, but then you start to really study the old with the new, how for me it was just so cementing. Right to say, no, I, I hold on to this, you know, yeah, uh, that was very vital in my life and I've seen it in others too, yeah. you know, and I would just say, I think sometimes it's really discouraging for newer believers or less mature believers that 
you know, have maybe just kind of been going along for a while, but they really want to start learning Mm -hmm. because they hear us talk about these things. And this goes back to maybe a previous uh, podcast that we've done where I think Dave, you mentioned that people assume that pastors are like just super Christians, right? We've, we've reached it. We're venerated saints or whatever you said. But the the only reason we know these things is because we've studied them for a long time. Yeah. And we've spent a lot of time reading it. And I think sometimes Christians are really discouraged. Like, you know, on Sunday, I handed a, a young woman a Bible, and you know, because she was mm-hmm. wanting to read and learn more, yeah. and I gave her, you know, our Bible reading plan. I said, "Just read along with us; you'll catch up." Yeah. But people get really discouraged because the Bible's a big book, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. it covers like what ten thousand years plus minus of history, and there's context, and it's like, you know, to understand the new, you have to know the old. But if you just start at the old, you're gonna be really lost yeah. a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But it, I just try to encourage people. Just keep reading. Yeah. Just I, keep reading. I've been a Christian for 32 years. Of uh, that 32 years of being a Christian, I would say I've been faithfully reading Scripture now for 25 of it, maybe. No, I don't know. Probably started re- I'm 39. I started reading it faithfully when I was like 16 or 17. So do that math real mm-hmm. quick. 20 years or whatever. Um, and then... Like you said, I've been to Bible school. I've been pastoring now for a long time and reading a lot, a lot, a lot. And and I still feel very uneducated at times mm-hmm. when I go to the Bible. You know, um, it's still a journey that I'll have to keep doing for a long time. And even the apostles who are with him would say, if we were to write everything Jesus taught us, mm-hmm. not enough books in the world. Mm-hmm. can grasp it. And so, yeah, I I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I don't feel like I've got it yet at all. Um, and God keeps showing me things. and Or I meet somebody who seems to know Habakkuk inside and out and is telling <laughs> me how I my sermon, this. I didn't even relate to this. And I'm like, ah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good point. Maybe that is there, you know. And great. Um, but there's, there's so much more to learn and to know and to grasp and to understand. And, um, Look forward to, to doing that, hopefully. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. I had a really neat experience in Chicago. We had, um, we had a whole group of refugees come from Iraq, and they were from the southern part of Iraq, and they were, they were being um, uh, uh, dispersed, or um, what's the word? Not dispersed. Um, displaced. Uh, displaced. Thank you. Displaced and fleeing into Turkey, mostly, and uh, Jordan, and then they would come through uh, our refugee resettlement area in Chicago, and they were Aramaic, Chalde- or, um, Armini- uh, Assyrian uh, Aramaic speakers, and there was these, there's these small groups of, of Christians in Iraq that had now been all persecuted and, and have fled, and they would tell, they would talk about like th- the language we speak, although it's a, it's a similar to Arabic, it's called Syriac or, or, or you know. Um, um, uh, Aramaic, and that's the language that Jesus spoke. And I, I learned so much from these these people, and just learning about their faith and how how historically rooted they are. It was really fascinating, you know. And just I mean, because you, you you kind of we look at we look at scripture from a Western lens because we're Westerners, you know. Sure. And meeting Christians from the Middle East that spoke the language that Jesus spoke and that Paul spoke. Right. Scholars say that Paul's main language was Aramaic, Syriac, mm. and then he spoke Greek because he was Koine Greek. And, um, but I mean, that was his culture. It was really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It was neat. Definitely. And I think, uh, 
you know, I think the, the cool thing is, is rather than discouraging, you know, whenever we hear all these things, um, I hope that it excites people to read the Bible, not feel like it's a mountain to climb, right? Exactly. but rather it's a whole, it's a whole new, uh, landscape and visa, you know, vista to explore. It's something to be excited about. And, um, um, whether you're doing it at home or with other Christians or at a Sunday school class, or, I mean, I very much hope you're coming to hear the word preached on Sunday mornings. I mean, that's what we're, that's what all of those are, are different ways of getting the word of God in through our ears and in or our eyes if we're reading and into our hearts mm-hmm. um and and we trust the holy spirit uses that so anyway if you guys don't have anything else to say um i'll go ahead and wrap up all right well thank you for listening um we hope it's been uh, helpful and uh next week we'll have another question that i uh, i've received uh from from people within the church and so uh, i really hope appreciate you listening and, and like we said if you have any ideas for the podcast or any topics or questions or anything at all um, any gripes for Pastor Tim, just pass those along, and um, I'm sure, sure he would be happy to, to hear those as More well. More than happy. More than happy. So thank you so much for listening. Take care, and God bless.